Hello there, Alaskans, wherever you are. Welcome to the Must Read Alaska Show, coming to you from somewhere in Alaska. This is the place where we talk about, you guessed it, Alaska, where we keep the mainstream media on their toes and where we are standing up for what's right and a world run by leftists. You can find out more by heading over to mustreadalaska.com and also checking out the Must Read Alaska YouTube channel for some really great content. But first, let's get this party started. What's good, Alaska? This is Scott Levesque, and you're listening to the Daily Dose of the Must Read Alaska podcast. Thank you for joining with us today. Right now, it's earlier in the morning here. It's a little bit dark, obviously, but it is, uh, it's beautiful. out. It's, it's wintertime, and Christmas is right around the corner, so I'm excited about that. And listen, I want to say thank you. Again, it's the holiday season. We should be thankful. We're thankful for all of our listeners, readers, and our supporters for you guys, just making sure that we can continue to give you the content you're looking for and provide you a well-rounded picture of the news here in Alaska and beyond. And I think for us, we just want to say thank you because we are we are closing in on 150 reviews on the Apple podcast app. And if you haven't had a chance, we just want to encourage you to do that. It takes just a, a short time, but uh, we just want to encourage you to do that because it's something that helps us uh, pop up on search engine and help people find us when they're looking for podcasts. And guys, we just want to thank you again. Well, today it's not just me. I get to hang out with my fearless leader, Suzanne Downing, and uh, we are going to talk about a lot of different things. Suzanne, first of all, how are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm really, really happy with this weather warming up a little bit. Quite honestly, once it gets into the teens, all is well with the world. I just don't really like it when it's under 10 degrees. I guess that's just me, but um, it's good, good to see us going into a little warming trend. And also, re- relating to our podcast, Scott, thank you for producing this podcast for Um, well over a year now and growing it to the point where we are now um, closing in. I think by today, we'll be closing in on 50,000 downloads for this podcast. And well, and it doesn't even count the people who listen to it on, on YouTube and on Facebook, because we don't actually get to count those. Those are counted separately by those platforms, but uh, really it's been successful. And I appreciate all the listeners out there as well. Thank you so much, everybody. Yeah, it is awesome. I mean, we've we've probably well on our way past uh, 70,000 if you count all those other platforms, but uh, it's been a great journey. And today we got a lot to talk about. I mean, we have so many different aspects of government and things that have dropped recently, especially this week, to hit on. And really, you're our subject matter expert of everything. Uh, I know you probably don't claim that, but I'll just say it out loud. So let's, let's dive in. Let's talk about really one of the biggest news pieces that was uh, out there this week, and that's about the Bronson administration and what is being deemed as a um, code violation when the Bronson administration and and by extension, um, the city water, you know, essentially the fluoride was turned off, correct? For Yeah, yeah, for apparently for about five hours. Right. And so what that that took a life on its own. And the ADN picked it up and ran a headline. And now this headline was actually very misleading. What was it not? I would assume I would say it's misleading in itself. But why don't you kind of talk to our listeners a little bit about what what you saw and kind of your analysis of this, because it's it's mind boggling what's going on right now in, in the legacy press. Uh, well, right. So so, so basically the ADN uh, earlier in the week or late last week, they ran a, a an opinion piece saying it's time for the city manager to be fired. And so they they've they've already come out to sort of against this administration. They've they've been against this administration from the beginning. And you can see from their own writing that this is a 
a, a newspaper that's been invigorated by its hatred of all things conservative. They're just, they're furious. Do you know that if, um, that if Forrest Dunbar was mayor, you would not be seeing the, the kind of reporting that you are seeing now from the ADN. And it's really sad and people are, are sort of horrified because they consider the, the Binkley family to be a really upstanding family in Alaska. And yet they have purchased a newspaper that has reverted back to its old Alice Rogoff ways and, and being just essentially cause journalism. And we do a lot of cause journalism here at, at Must Read Alaska. And, but we admit it. We, we say, That's, look at That is a key thing, Suzanne. We admit that we, we have a conservative viewpoint. We have a conservative viewpoint and we lead with that because it's, it's only fair to readers to know that we're going to be presenting a certain side of the story because the rest of it's being presented by the, like you say, the legacy media. They're doing a very good job presenting the leftist side of things. And it's kind of just us out here with the watchman also doing some reporting on, you know, what is the conservative perspective on some of these same issues. Well, so today uh, the, the newspaper continues to go anti Dave Bronson, anti Mayor Bronson with this, with this headline that says that Mayor Bronson temporarily shut off fluoridation of Anchorage water supply against city code. Well, that is absolutely false. It, it was not against city code for the water to the, for the fluoride to be shut off. And in fact, many times uh, during the year, the fluoride is shut off from the city water for certain things. They have to recalibrate, or maybe they reach their limits of what's, um, what's acceptable in the water supply, which is, I think it's 1.6 parts per gazillion or something. And, and or, or, the, or for instance, million. yeah, or, or, or for instance, uh, recently they had to shut it off because they, they had to re replace a part and they couldn't get the part. And so the the percentage you know would would drop, but when you shut off the the fluoride out of the, the water supply at the on the drip that it's on, you're not going to see any measurable difference, and there just wasn't any measurable difference. Now the mayor said that he shut it off because um, the workers when he was touring the plant were complaining about coughing and having respiratory problems because of the fluoride, and he said, well, let's shut it off. Okay, so now you can imagine what things would be like if a worker had complained to the, to the mayor about respiratory problems and coughing that they attributed to the fluoride and he did nothing, to, that he responded in no way. Well, then you would also see the leftist press get involved and say, mm -hmm. the workers are complaining about the, the fluoride fumes and he did nothing. So, you know, he took the appropriate action. I am now seeing the leftist media, including Alaska public media, attacking him for, well, you turned it off, but then you turned it back on. Now you're not addressing the workers' complaints. So you you, you see what they're doing here. They're, they're just attacking. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. They're, they're attacking. But the, the city code is very clear. It says you have to have fluoride content, no, not more than 1.3 parts per million. And it's... Uh, the, 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 that's the, the top end threshold. It's not what you're supposed to, you know, necessarily aim for. You just, you just can't have any more than that. So I just think that the ADN is showing its, its hand here last week, calling for the dismissal of the city manager this week, lying about the mayor in its headlines. Mm -hmm. I happen to know that they were, that that was pointed out to them and they refused to correct it. They're not going to correct their headline. They're going to stick by it that he is in violation against city code because that's what sets them up for supporting a recall. If the mayor has done something in violation of city code, 
that allows people like Chris Constant and Forrest Dunbar and the Alaska Democratic Party to now issue a recall against the mayor. He's been in office for like eight months. Yeah, so a couple of things on my end. Uh, so the article does a great job of disguising any sort of facts and burying it in there. Now, uh, a couple of things to note. Number one is the administration it also said, listen, in, in October, there was a longer term shutdown of the fluoride uh, within the facility for more than the five or so hours that's alleged that the, the the fluoride was turned off. And that was a maintenance issue. So you have maintenance that has to happen that shuts down the fluoride within the water. Now, the thing that people don't realize, again, you said it earlier, it's not how much fluoride goes in, it's parts per million. And that is the thing. If, if you just sit there and say, well, he turned off the fluoride for five hours, that probably killed. I mean, that's the that's sort of the tone, right? Fluoride right. Oh my gosh, people, people, people are dying because he cut the fluoride for five hours. Oh, for Pete's sake. And so in, in saying that, what they're doing is, again, crafting the narrative. Not only that, but in this very article, it mentions the landmine in the numerous allegations. So the article is not just talking about the fluoride, but that article that really focuses and falsely with a, a really false narrative in the headline focuses on the three allegations that the left-leaning blog uh, that put all that stuff out mentioned. So now you're tying in more than just the fluoride issue. And then it goes further on to then talk with, for example, the chairman of the assembly there, chairwoman, LaFrance. And, and LaFrance sets it up beautifully. We are concerned, so we should obviously look into that. What this does is it provides red meat in the water for all the Democrats, right? So now everybody's everybody's swarming the chum and they're, they're all putting in their opinions. You got Scott Kendall on Twitter saying, well, and this is great for him. He feels like, you know, killing two birds with one stone here. Hey, yeah. the governor should look right into this right now because uh, this is serious allegation stuff. Listen, this is very much a nothing burger, as you would say. This is this is a just a way to drum up negative media attention for both administrations. In this particular case, the Bronson administration and, and nobody. And if you read these articles, nobody can actually pinpoint any source. If you've seen the redactions or the retractions, I should say, of the Alaska public media article, it, it is astonishing. Oh, actually, oh, so what? they keep changing their minds. They can, they, you know, you know, they keep adjusting their story as they get other facts in. So they, they, without admitting that they completely went out there on a limb with wrong information, they keep just altering as they go along and just, just whistling past the graveyard here. That this, this story is just bull. Absolutely. And so when you keep moving the goalposts, you get to determine who scores and who doesn't. Yep. And that's the problem. And, and so, again, this is another example. Now you have the ADN, you have the uh, very left-leaning assembly, you have many of the left-leaning blogs all fo focusing their ire right now on this fluoride issue. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the Bronson administration has come out and said, listen, in early October, we had a, a maintenance thing where we shut down for a couple of days it's all about how many parts per million fluoride is in within the water. That's the level you need to watch. Keeping the quote unquote, they like to simplify it like it's like cartoon where it's a lever where it's on and off. But to simplify it, to say that, oh, Bronson just decided to pull the lever down and shut everything off. Like, you know, he's the, you know, the cat with the canary in his hand. It, it, it's oversimplifying a very complex issue. And they know that. And that's what they're good at. They're good at bringing it down to the simple and creating fear. And so now we can't trust the mayor because 
he turned off the fluoride or, or asked to turn off the fluoride or whatever the narrative they want to bring is, when in reality, this is nothing. I mean, for crying out loud, the Daily Beast picked this up. And we, we oh, have yeah. national news about this, which. Well, you, again, and you know why that is. That's because we have people who are, you know, highly placed or, or well-connected in government, people like Forrest Dunbar, people like Scott Kendall, who have connections at these major media outlets. I would not be surprised to, to find out that this weekend, the Washington Post picks it up because that's what they have. They've got play, they've got people in these other organizations, Daily Beast, Washington Post, you know, they will run a story on Bronson. I, I'll, I'll bet money on it. Well, let me just say this. I, I do have an insider in, in, the, in the water treatment facility that I have asked this question about. And number one is right now, this is a running joke within the plant. This is a running joke. And number two, he said, I can't even tell you how many times we shut off the fluoride to do maintenance on a regular basis. And that doesn't stop us from producing water that has the appropriate amount of fluoride within the parts per million. So the idea that this is some sort of, and again, from him verbatim, the idea that this is some sort of like crazy, you know, far right leaning Q on type of stuff is ridiculous, but it's, it seems to be a joke within the office right now. And I just got that from yeah. a, a text. Well, this is the, this is the narrative that they're going to be running. And, and if you, if, if people read the story I ran earlier about how the ADN has been going after Amy Domboski for years and they, they cannot stand her. And I, I, I ran a clips of all the headlines they'd run against her, which were all false headlines, false narrative headlines. It's clear that they, uh, they cannot stand Amy Domboski as a leader and would like to destroy her as city manager. And so their reporting on this at this point is gonna be suspect. I don't think that the ADN can any long any longer say, well, that's our editorial department. They're different. No, they're not. They're, you know, they've got a staff of like 10 over there. They're all in it together. They talk to, they talk with each other. You can't separate out the editorial department anymore from the news department. Well, I, I would say that's, that's probably true. I, I read the article that you wrote. And for those of you who are maybe looking for that, that didn't have a chance, it's under, uh, it's on mustreadalaska.com under the headline, Idiot's History of Bullying Amy Dombowski Continues with Newspaper Calling for Her to be fired as city manager and here's what they do what what happened what happened to sexism you have a what <laughs> yeah. happened is this, this is amazing to me and this is where i rant and either you like this or you don't but give me a second it is amazing to me that in the world we live in today with a a hashtag me too movement a a, a equality of gender and many other things, I won't even get into all of them, that you have a newspaper calling for the firing of a woman who is the city manager. And there is nobody on the left saying that's sexist. Now, no. I guarantee you, if it was Must Read Alaska doing that, and it was a liberal left-leaning city manager, you guarantee it. If I wrote it, oh, Must Read It'd Alaska. Be misogynistic, oh man. Yeah, but no, it's <laughs> rules for thee and not for me. It's the same thing with COVID. I mean, we're saying, hey, it's my body, my choice when it comes to a specific niche issue. But when it comes to vaccinations, nope, you need to follow in line or you are a uh, you are an outsider. You are the problem. And, and listen, people are getting fed up of this. And I'm not talking people like red conservative Republicans. I'm talking centrists are getting issues. Look at the Biden administration. Just take a national view of this. People are fed up with this crap and I'm fed up with it. Because to me, this is a great example of exactly what's going on when people just go, yeah, I'm not going to read the ADN anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to get my newspaper. Yeah, I'm not going to watch KTUU. You know why? 
because I'm just sick of being spoon fed lies and garbage. Yeah. And that's and where we're at that- right now. And you see that Michael Tavaliero, who's one of our writers at mm-hmm. Must Be Lost, but he's a senior contributor. He he, he got some he got catharsism. A, yeah, he got a bit his rant off his chest about it too. And he, it, that's at the top of our page right now. And uh, something that we we posted late last night was uh, his rant about the ADN and saying it's really just time to demonetize them. In other words, walk away, walk away from them, walk away from their advertisers and provide no support. And and he had a pretty good rant there. I recommend it to people if you want to see. Absolutely. See somebody sort of saying what a lot of us are thinking. Hey, vote with your wallet. That's how you do it. You you vote with your wallet. You know, you vote with your feet and you vote with your wallet. And if this is the type of crap that's going to continually happen over and over again. um, Yeah. I mean, listen, I'm just going to say this out loud. I know, Suzanne, you live rent free in a lot of these people's heads. And I love it. I I really do love it. but it, 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 the hypocrisy and the one-sidedness and it's, you know, rules for me, not for the kind of thing is, is abhorrent. And it's, it's becoming um, almost comical at this point. Well, one of the things that I wanted to actually ask you about is, and as we continue on, again, the show wasn't supposed to be just all ADN, but the governor had a couple press release, uh, press conferences this week. Uh, one of them was on Tuesday to announce his People First Initiative plan uh, program. And then he had a press conference on Wednesday, which I found rather interesting. He spent a good four to five minutes uh, discussing the ADN in that particular newspaper and what his thoughts are on the way that they're uh, portraying not just administration, but uh, perhaps a lack of balanced coverage. Would that be a, a very PC way to put that? Right. Yeah. It. Um, so what 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 he did is on on Tuesday, he rolled out his um, People First initiative, which is a, a an omnibus public safety initiative that he wanted to sort of separate out of the budget. He wanted to you know, highlight that. And this is pretty typical when a governor has an initiative that they especially want everybody to pay attention to. They don't roll it out at the same time that they do the budget because it kind of gets lost. They, they kind of do it in advance. And in past administrations, you would see something like Sean Parnell, Governor Parnell would roll out a choose respect initiative and he'd do it separately. And then a couple, you know, a few days later, a few weeks later, he'd roll, he'd roll that into the budget and then the whole budget goes out. So this people first initiative is a pretty important one. It's super important because um, we've got such a, a, a big problem with public safety in rural Alaska and he's aware of that. But uh, one of the interesting dynamics that was going on is that the day before Alaska Federation of Natives convened its annual convention, Again, the ADN posted a negative hit piece on the Dunleavy administration saying they promised to build up troopers and public safety, but they haven't. And it was a it was again a piece that talked about the tragedies that we see in rural Alaska when you have a lack of law enforcement. In fact, their headline said that people in rural Alaska are having to take cover from active shooters while Dunleavy does nothing to protect them by adding more troopers. It has been really hard to get troopers to go into rural Alaska, and and that's been the case for a long, long time. That's why we had the VPSO program to begin with, the Village Public Safety Officer program, because you've got to have people in the villages who understand village life, understand the dynamics. It's hard to find a good qualified VPSO who doesn't have a lot of people out there in the village who might want to do this. Sorry, if you if you've got anything on your record like a DUI or a domestic violence, you're never going to be a VPSO. So it's hard to find 
BPSOs out of the villages because there's just a lack of qualified people. And so uh, public safety remains a very big issue in rural Alaska, but the, the governor has been addressing it. And in fact, he has re rebuilt a lot of the public safety components since he's been in office. And again, with the People First Initiative, he's going to continue to rebuild. I ran a story uh, on Sunday about, uh, I think before the ADN story came out about how bad the troopers were, I, I ran a story on Sunday about how they are, they're going to have the largest graduating class in decades coming up in, in, or the largest class in the Trooper Academy in decades, starting in February. Now, maybe not all those will graduate, but most of them will. And they'll go into various components of law enforcement in our state. They might become police officers. They might become VPSOs or troopers. And we need some more troopers. He's also, um, he rolled out in his budget that he's going to be increasing trooper pay and that they've done an amazing job recruiting um, troopers when they go to uh, places like Seattle and Portland, where everybody's all about defunding the police, they, they're picking up um, people from Washington State Patrol who say, I quit. I'm not, you know, Washington State Patrol lost a couple hundred people when they did the vaccine mandate from Governor Inslee. And some of those people are going to come north and work for us up here in Alaska. So, uh, yeah, I put out that story about the troopers being rebuilt. Kyle Hopkins put out a hit piece on the governor saying, um, it's his fault that there's so much violence in rural Alaska. One, one more thing I, I got to say about that. In rural Alaska, everybody has a gun. There, it, People are not taking cover from active shooters, like they say, I mean, any more than anywhere else. Every once in a while in rural Alaska, somebody goes nuts, gets a gun out and starts shooting up. But let me tell you, everybody's armed in rural Alaska. They are the most well-armed people in America. So it, the way that, he, that Kyle Hopkins characterized this is, is that as though nobody can do anything in rural Alaska to protect themselves when that's yeah. just simply not the case. Yeah, it, it definitely, it, the narrative was there, which is you have you have uh, unhinged people that are just roaming around like it's a Western. Shooting people. Yeah. yeah, and there's there's no sheriff in town, quote unquote, to be able to, to handle that. Listen, you brought, you brought up a great point. You brought up a lot of great points. Number one is this, is that uh, the headline was absurd. Uh, the accusations are absurd. And and I remember uh, years, a couple of years ago, three or four years ago, when uh, there was the first Indigenous Peoples Day, and that was a topic that was in the Indigenous Peoples Day. There was an actual monologue said between various Alaska Native women who came up and were talking about the atrocities. So, so I say that because Kyle Hopkins' piece almost lambasted Dunleavy as the genesis of the issue, which is completely taken out of context and out of character and blatantly false. And, and this is the problem that we have, is that you have this guy who, who writes this. Uh, he's a part of a pro uh, publica. ProPublica, yeah, he's yeah, paid pro for by pro by this left-leaning ProPublica, so he's gonna he's gonna do the left-leaning narrative because that's who pays his paycheck. Right, and and not only that, but then doesn't have the audacity to sit within the press conference to hear about this People's First program, and ostensibly, once we get to that point, hear about how listen, there is a definite crafted narrative. And there is a toxicity from the ADN towards any kind of conservative administration. And right now, Alaska's largest city has a conservative mayor, and the state is run by Governor Dunleavy, who's a conservative Republican. And that just seems to drive the ADN and its riders banana land. And, and we're seeing this left and right, um, or just left, I guess. And, and that's the problem I have, is that 
a lot of the allegations that were in that piece, again, ironically behind a firewall, so you have to pay to read it, um, really just hits at the core of a lot of misconceptions. And, and you touched on many of them. And, and really the gross, the gross narrative of that is the village, especially rural Alaska, a lot of the villages are, are just being, um, are like Chap or Chaz. They're just being controlled by people that are vigilantes. That's how it makes it sound. And the reality is that's just not true, but it certainly puts what? The main theme of all these things is fear. Bronson, mm -hmm. Dunleavy, Dombowski, it's all fear. We got to get the fear out. And, and I'll give this, the left is great at just drinking the Kool-Aid and just running with the talking points and the narrative and not asking questions because it always seems like they're lockstep. That's, that's, my, that's my opinion on it. Well, and, and with, the, with the newspaper there, uh, the ADN, they, they've got these grants from ProPublica, which is, uh, it was founded by, I, I don't want to say George Soros, because I, I don't know that George, any significant Soros money was in there, but there are other wealthy billionaires that made just, you know, gobs and gobs of money, but they are extremely liberal and, and they have funded ProPublica as a left-leaning investigative journalism and they've got kind of one way that they go it was you know anti-trump anti-republican and, uh, and quite honestly anti-american in in many in many cases they never report on anything that a, a democrat would do this is all anti um anti-republican reporting so uh you know you've got uh, I think two positions now at the ADN, it's Kyle Hopkins, and then they've just gotten another grant for their, this local report or Report America, uh, and that will fund another position. So those people aren't so much um, answerable to their community as answerable to their funders. And they, know, they know the kind of reporting. If you go to propublica.org, you will see the kind of reporting that will be coming from the ADN. You will see um, all kinds of hit jobs on Republican governors, and um, you know you'll you'll see what I'm talking about if you just go to ProPublica.org. That's who they are answerable to because they want that grant money to keep on coming. Well, I could tell you this. I think everything you need to know about the fact of the uh, let's shoot the right narrative is the fact that the Dunleavy comments during his press conference, which were very direct and aimed at a that specific newspaper, the ADN, he called out specifically, there was zero coverage about that press. You know what? Zero. That's, that's a good point because he went on for about three or four minutes at the end of his press conference. Um, you know. On, on his budget rollout, he said, now yeah. I'd like to talk about our mainstream media and especially about our largest daily paper in our largest city, which is something, a phrase he said twice because and he said it with a little bit twist in his voice. He was pretty sarcastic. And um, he had talked about how that, you know, Kyle Hopkins, after trashing the governor on public safety, didn't even bother to show up the next day for this big public safety rollout. He didn't bother to even call in. Instead, you had an, another reporter there, Alex de Marbon, called in, and he was the reporter on that issue that was so important that um, the day earlier they had to have their Pulitzer Prize winning guy write about it. But the next day, their Pulitzer Prize winning guy couldn't but be bothered to show up. So then when he when he rolls out the budget, who's there? Kyle Hopkins is sitting 
at the table, not just at the table. He is sitting at the first seat next to the governor's podium. And you could see his head through the entire budget rollout. You could see Kyle Hawkins' little head there at the, at the bottom. He got right up into, into um, Mike Dunleavy's space there. He was going to make sure that he made the governor uncomfortable or in some way, which I don't think he did. I think the governor just sort of ignored him. But he, but the governor calls out the ADN and says, look it, you know, this, this newspaper is, uh, is ridiculous in, in what it's pushing on the, the people of Alaska to say that I'm anti-rural. You know, I'm married to a, a woman from a native village where they, I believe he said, where they turn off the generator at nine o'clock at night, every night, and where they hunt for their own food. And I'm proud of my wife. I'm proud of my children. I'm proud the man spent be- 20 years out in rural Alaska. Yeah. What are you right. talking about? Like- exactly. He said, I have more friends out in rural Alaska than, than, than you do, Kyle. He didn't name him by name, but, but uh, he, he, he really went on for some time. And we wrote a story about it. I wrote a story about it. Hit job um, that uh, Kyle Hopkins had done and, and Dunleavy's response, but no other member of the media bothered to write this story about what the governor had said about the media. I'll That's do you one further. Planet journalism. One, yeah. Well, I'll do you one further. I heard bupkis on social media about it, which is the uh-huh. height of irony because yeah. there's usually always something I figured they would have put, you know, a lot of the left-leaning Twitterites out there in what I call Twitter Alaska would have said, what a crybaby, all this, that. Yeah, yeah. Nothing, 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 which says one thing, he nailed it. Yeah. He got, yeah. they got called and now they're playing, we'll just let it ride out. The governor just mentioned us, maybe not by name, but everybody knows who the largest newspaper in the largest city is in Alaska. And I mean, talk about just letting something fly right under the radar. We don't want to touch this. We don't want to touch this. So to me, that's a great example. And, and I'm going to switch a little bit because our time's running, running low here. But I want to say this to you. I wrote, a, I'm not going to try to pump my tires, but I came Dude, to you and said, let's pump Susanna. your tires. Yeah, you did a great I, I wrote job a, on that story. I wrote a piece that was intriguing to me because <clears throat> what I'm finding is that when you're talking about things like the left-leaning assembly, the left-leaning assembly is willing to jump on any delicious story with chum in the water that goes after the Bronson administration. And in this particular case, uh, there was a few... Uh, on the left-leaning side of the assembly that were saying, hey, we need more transparency. I mean, it's your usual suspects, um, most namely Christopher Constant. And he was just really going in. And I just said to you, I said, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't just let this go. So we wrote a, I wrote a piece and you did a great job editing it as usual of, uh, it's under the title Anchorage Assembly Building on Track Record of Trashing Transparency. And my point was this, we have an assembly, particularly the left-leaning side of that assembly, who is uh, really trying to ride the wave of, of bashing the Bronson administration because they take great pleasure in that and saying, we need more transparency. What's going on? We want to see this. I know LaFrance and Constant both wrote a letter to the administration saying, we want all your text messages, your emails from this date forward. Yet I wrote three instances when a lack of transparency was so evident. And the three were this back in 2020, when they closed down the assembly and violated the Open Meetings Act and essentially talked about, formed, and eventually passed two of the most controversial legislative um, ordinances that we've seen in a long time, AO 2020-65, which was ostensibly called the conversion therapy ban, and AO 2020-66, which was using CARES Act funds to purchase dilapidated buildings to try to create some sort of, I think the term we used was uh, homeless, homeless industrial, industrial complex. complex. Yeah, it's, it's a services to attract more vagrants to our city. 
uh, one of which was one of the buildings was so out of repair that it would have cost more than what was allotted to it. But that's not the point. They did all that behind closed doors without public testimony <laughs> or anything. Then you fast forward to this year with the mandate for the masking. Uh, there were six nights of uh, grueling and real public testimony, and they pulled a bait and switch on purpose. They had their meeting. LaFrance, the chairwoman, promised that they'd reconvene public testimony on Wednesday. And what did they do 15 minutes before the end of the meeting? Oh, we're going to introduce an emergency ordinance for the mask mandate. Nobody was there to publicly testify. It passed. And once again, the lack of transparency and the swindling of the assembly, the left-leaning assembly, this comes on the heels of a day before uh, one of the assembly members, Cameron Perez-Verdia, uh, writing a piece calling hey, we should just do an emergency ordinance. And remember, this is because cases were falling and the narrative was starting to lose steam that we needed to do this. That's right, he did. He he laid the foundation um, a couple days earlier saying, yep. hey, we should just do an emergency ordinance. And that signaled to everybody exactly what was gonna go down. So although uh, Suzanne LaFrance, who's the chair of the assembly said, don't worry, we're gonna get through all the testimony. Everybody's gonna be able to testify. They did a bait and switch at the very end. They said, yeah, no more testimony, emergency ordinance. And they just passed it on through. It was absolutely disgraceful what they did. Absolutely. And, and you called it. You wrote a great piece on it. Like, hey, is the assembly going to create an emergency ordinance? And, and you nailed it. They did. And now, finally, the most one of the most egregious things, and again, talk about a lack of transparency. This comes right into the face of that. This is hitting it head on, is this, this idea, this ordinance, this uh, proposed ordinance about practically rewriting Title 28 of the Municipal Code, which directly correlates to elections. And we know around here, election integrity is always on the forefront of a lot of people's minds, particularly those who like to read about Must Read Alaska and hear what we have to say. Uh, I'm gonna preface this that in the 2021 mayoral campaign, uh, Must Read Alaska was at the forefront. You specifically were at the forefront of a lot of shenanigans that were going on down at the Ship Creek uh, elections oh, building. It, yeah, we were watching that. We were watching some really crazy stuff go on down there. And Barbara Jones, who's the city clerk, has never had scrutiny before because, you know, the, the mail-in ballot has only been going on since 2018. And we haven't had super, super close elections where it was highly contested. And we haven't ever had a a campaign like the Mayor Bronson campaign, where they were really um, vigilant. To, they wanted to, to really keep an eye on it. And once we did start keeping an eye on it, we saw that there were some real problems with there are total lack of transparency and lack of uh, sort of chain of custody on those ballots. The the um, the way that they're running our elections in Anchorage is an absolute disgrace. But like you said, now they're going to get re ready to rewrite Title 28 on at the request of uh, Barbara Jones, the municipal clerk, that will prohibit um, people from being able to go in and observe ballot counting. And they're going to require any ballot observer to have signed up 22 days in advance, which is almost impossible for campaigns to do. It's hard enough to get volunteers. And then you just don't know when that volunteer will be available. And let's just say something happens in that volunteer's life and they can't go do ballot observing. Well, then you don't get to observe because you don't have, you can't substitute somebody in. They're going to put, we've never before seen them clamp down on uh, on campaign, on election transparency, like they're doing here in Anchorage now. Absolutely. And I think one of the most egregious potential rewrites of 28, Title 28, is the fact that the actual person who needs to be held accountable and provide such transparency will be the person who can rewrite the observer handbook at any point and enact it at any point, these new rules based upon the whim of her feeling. 
That's and right. Not so only- that's exactly right. So so Barbara Jones is going to be able to, um, to you know control the behavior and the the movements of all observers and. She can then, if she doesn't like something that's going on, she can go into her computer, rewrite the handbook and say, we have new rules. Our rules say that you have to, you, you can't wear purple in here. You can't wear red. You have to stand on your head. And, you know, and they're also saying that you can't have cameras in there. You can't record it. Heck, we're getting to the point where we're putting cameras on police officers all the time, but we can't put cameras on our ballot counting. I'm sorry. This is not acceptable. So it, again, it, it, and you're absolutely right. So this just goes into the face of when you hear the assembly, particularly the left-leaning assembly, uh, guac, squawk, yell, chirp, whatever you want to call it, the Bronson administration about transparency. Keep in mind, people, that the assembly is enacting legislation that is actively working against transparency. And in this particular case, currently right now, as we speak, when it has to do with elections, and we, you and I both know, Suzanne, a lot of our readers are very, very concerned about the way elections are run, both the fact that we have mail-in voting and mm-hmm. the fact of how we count those mail-in votes. And there's an interesting quote on here that, that you were very uh, astute to have uh, added in there, which is this, those who vote decide nothing. Those who vote count the vote decide everything. And that's very true. And the fact that, that Must Read Alaska, along with the Bronson administration, maybe for the first time in her life, uh, held accountable all the actions that were being done, late night meetings after everybody was sent home, the yep. fact that ballots were coming in on the side of the building, the fact that doors within the building were left open in a secure right. building, the fact that they had people that were still left over, the fact that they had people that were bringing in ballots and then leaving with other bags, the the, oh, the mere and, and, image. and don't forget, they were also taking home the keys to the to the vault, to the ballot vault. They they actually took not not once, not twice, I mean multiple times. They took home the key to the secure vault where the ballots were in. I mean, you can't just leave the building with the keys. No, and not only that, but also having assembly members come in with flowers to give to the municipal clerk who is in the middle of counting ballots for a candidate that you are helping. Not only that, let me tell you about that. So Chris Constant walks in with those flowers and um, Barb Jones was busy. She was on her computer, she was doing something. He didn't just leave those flowers for her. Now, remember, uh, Chris Constant on the assembly was working on the Forrest Dunbar campaign. He was there as an observer for the Forrest Dunbar campaign. So she was busy and he didn't just leave the flowers on the desk. He waited for a full half hour until she could come out so that he could make sure to hand those flowers hand to deliver. her personally. Mm-hmm. And, deliver those and, flowers. and that's a, that was a good hundred dollar bouquet of flowers. That was a nice bouquet. Listen, if I'm the city clerk, the last thing I want is anybody to have any sort of second guess about my my integrity when it comes to elections and yet Barbara Jones has no problem at least accepting flowers from a sitting assemblyman who is working with another assemblyman running for mayor and working on the campaign to watch what's going on mm-hmm. while providing that I mean the web of entanglement is crazy and I'll I'll end with this okay I'll end with this one of the things that's really egregious one of the things that I I'm, I'm having a really hard time wrapping my head around uh, particularly in the points that were presented is this is the fact that we are putting so much power into the limited hands of individuals. We're, we're putting a lot of power into a small number of hands and that should concern any resident of Anchorage right now, because the most powerful person during an election year resides in that chamber, actively hostile against the current administration, particularly during the election, we reported about this, her demeanor and actions towards the Bronson administration volunteers 
were egregious. They were they were not they were not very kind at all. And as we continue down this road, and as people get more and more irritated with the fact that we're having these mail-in votes and how these are going to look long-term, I would highly encourage those residents who are concerned, the only way you're going to change any of this is to vote. You have to vote. And I feel like, and if you look across the country, mail-in voting directly benefits Democratic candidates by far. And so this this is one of the rarities where mail-in voting actually benefited a a conservative candidate. And it gets me to my last point. The fact that in this Title 28 rewrite, the option to prevent campaigns from curing votes is a direct attack on the fact that the Bronson administration was able to cure an absurd amount of votes and actually win based on that. It is a direct attack on what happened in this last election. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And and so what we see them doing is um, is that, you know, oh, it's working for you. OK, well, we've got to we've got to rig the system so it doesn't work for you. We thought we had this rig, so we're going to have to we're going to have to make some adjustments. You don't get to come in and watch the ballots being counted anymore. And so this is um, interesting because in our in our country, we've tended to expand people's rights. And, um, and now we're going to contract them as it, as it pertains to Anchorage voting. This is a, a very serious issue. And I would hope that readers and listeners uh, you know, keep, keep apprised of this. There's one more public hearing on this. All of the comments on the last public hearing on this Title 28 rewrite were negative except for one um, this last week. And I guess there's one more hearing on on the 21st and I encourage the public to really pay attention. This is kind of boring stuff in a way, Title 28. That's the kind of thing that makes your head kind of spin, but it it involves transparency in elections that are already not very transparent. And um, I know we're running out of time, but we do have way too many registered voters in Anchorage. And um, so we've already got lots and lots of problems with the the trust in our elections. We don't need to add more um, problems by telling people they can't watch what's going on in the counting room. Absolutely. I agree with you. Well, I got to close it down. We had a great conversation today. This was fun. I know. It's always fun. It's always fun. fun. Um, well, guys, thank you so much. Again, this is uh, we're heading to the Christmas season, so we're going to try to make sure we keep regular with you guys in terms of episodes. But we want to thank all our listeners, our readers, and our supporters. And if you love what we do and want to continue to help us provide that sort of uh, content, we're looking, we're bringing on an education reporter right now, which we're really excited about to bring you more content on the education realm here, which is important. You can do so by going to mustreadalaska.com. At the top right, there's a a donation part, a support uh, aspect of what we do here. And we'd love for you to support us. Anything helps. And we are graciously, um, we're just humbled. I gracious is another word. We're humbled by the amount of support we already have. And we just want to continue to provide this content. If you haven't liked us on uh, Facebook, we're trying to get to 25,000 likes before the end of the year. And we're well on our way there. Getting close. Getting close. And also, if you haven't subscribed and hit the notification bell on YouTube, we got a lot of great content on there as well. And if you haven't, we are on all different platforms, Twitter, Parler, MeWe, Rumble, The Works, and we're all under the same handle, Must Read Alaska in one word. Well, guys, thank you so much. Suzanne, thanks for joining with me today. Good to see you, and I'll see you next week. Absolutely. Okay, Alaska. Until next time, take care.